going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Hello, everybody. Today we have a very mysterious case out of California and technically out of Hawaii, I guess. If you want to go there, you guys will see what I mean. There's some sailing involved, so that's what we're talking about. It's a weird and tragic story. Thank you so much to Missy for putting this one on our radar. Another newer case that I didn't know about. Thank you, Missy. Also, we just came out with a bonus episode for July. Sorry, I know they're coming out a little bit late, but we've been going through some wedding plans and just um, some family vacations. So we're trying to get those out as quick as we can. But yeah, we just came out with one. It's an older case. Hopefully it'll be out by the time this episode comes out. I think it will. If yeah. not, it's going to come out tomorrow. <laughs> but it's but it's about the story of Hazel Drew. It's a very mysterious uh, murder that happened back in 1908. And that is the case that inspired a show many of us love, Twin Peaks. Uh, this is the case that inspired the murder of Laura Palmer on that show. So if you want to listen to that one and over 90 other full-length ad-free bonus episodes that you're not going to get in our regular Going West feed, head on over to patreon.com slash Podcast, or just subscribe right in Apple Podcasts under the Going West page. You'll see. Just head on over. All right, guys. This is episode 325 of Going West. So let's get into it. We've got a very different kind of sponsor for this episode, The Jordan Harbinger Show, a podcast you should definitely check out since you're a fan of high-quality, fascinating podcasts hosted by interesting people. The Jordan Harbinger Show covers such a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests. And there are a ton of episodes that you're going to find interesting. Jordan is super charismatic and well-voiced, so I loved listening to his recent episode with Susan Casey called Unraveling Mysteries in the Ocean's Darkest Depths. It was so creepy and interesting, and he goes across every category with other episodes like Romance Twister, My Mister Once Dated My Sister, or his monthly Skeptical Sunday episodes about controversial topics from crystal healing to cannabis to Ouija boards. There is something for everyone. We really enjoy this show, and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start. For some episode recommendations. Or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
2018, a vegan blogger and his son allegedly set sail from California, bound for Hawaii on a three-month excursion. After they failed to contact family, it seemed as if they had both vanished at sea. But when one of their bodies washed ashore, their family began to suspect that there was never a boating trip after all. As the father's complicated history came to light, far more sinister theories came into play. This is the story of Gerald Storm Talaferro and his son, Adagio Talaferro. Gerald Talaferro was born on January 7, 1950, and he grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Though his given name was Gerald, he was more commonly known, both personally and professionally, actually, by his nickname, which was Storm. So that's what we are going to refer to him as today. Gerald is now Storm. So after moving from Michigan to California, he took a great interest in spirituality as well as plant-based nutrition. In 1972, when Storm was in his early 20s, he started eating a raw vegan diet. And this led to becoming well-known in the vegan community for his approach back when it was much less mainstream to be maintaining a vegan diet. Settling in the Santa Barbara area of California, Storm began leading raw vegan retreats in beautiful Ojai, where he would teach attendees, you know, different tips for sticking to the guidelines of a raw vegan lifestyle. And for those who don't know, like being a raw vegan means you eat plants like vegetables, fruits, nuts, uh, raw sprouted grains, stuff like that. So I I tried it once. It was really hard, but I felt really good. So in 1980, he started the Rainy Mountain Foundation, which taught children how to form a relationship with nature and use it to spark their awareness. Storm was also very athletic, using the methods that he honed to maintain a high-protein diet while staying both raw and vegan. He became a bodybuilder, taking great pleasure in working on his fitness and bulking up. During this period, Storm was married and divorced, and that union produced a son named Snow. But after his divorce, he reconnected with a woman named Gingy, whom he hadn't seen since the pair were acquaintances back in school. Now, Gingy Garrick grew up in Canada and went on to study at both York University in Toronto and at Santa Barbara City College. So a big part of a raw vegan lifestyle is kind of also holistic medicine as well as natural medicine. And kind of going into that, Gingy's half-sister sadly died from complications of a routine tonsil removal. So she was already raised to be very wary of doctors. But then when she was 25, she ran into some health problems of her own. And that's when she started seeking like alternative, holistic, and natural treatments. So this obviously happened to coincide with her reunion with Storm, and the two now had that passion in common. When they reconnected and started dating, she followed suit and started eating a raw vegan diet as well. And with that, their joint venture, which is called the Garden Diet, was born. After they were married and as they began to market their teachings, Storm and Gingy also welcomed five children, Raven, Jome, Shale, Adagio, and Yarrow. The parents were really excited to raise their children in the movement, so the kids were fed an exclusively raw vegan diet as well. 
Jinji said in an interview on the podcast of a fellow raw vegan blogger that she monitored her children's weight closely and made sure that they were getting all the nutrients that they needed to grow. So Jinji explained, quote, It was scary, you know, raising kids raw. There wasn't really anyone else doing it, and the few people that you heard of popped up in the news saying, you know, they got their kids taken away. So it was very frightening. And, you know, also personally, personal responsibility for these little children going, well, I know I'm thriving on it, and Storm's obviously thriving on it for years, decades now. How will it work for children, though? You know, they have bodies to grow, not just sustain a body, so it's a whole different thing. So I thought I'd give it a try and take them for checkups, make sure they have all their nutrient levels and they're developing okay. And then every once in a while, if you notice one is looking a little skinny or showing any signs of not having enough energy or there were never any really serious signs, but if even, you know, you watch very carefully as a mother, you can sense if your child is deficient in something, I think. And Jinji even joked in this interview that her kids had become so accustomed to raw food that they were repulsed when they smelled cooked food and grew to love preparing raw vegan options together as a family. Storm and Jinji became known for their creative and wholesome recipes, including family favorites, a cheesy kale salad, a raw pizza, and apple cobbler. And the Talaferro family came before, you know, there was really any saturation of bloggers or influencers across every social media platform. Especially in the raw vegan family arena, there was little to no content in the late 1990s, as you can obviously imagine. Yeah, I was actually raised vegetarian, me and my siblings were, and my parents were both vegetarian growing up, and I've talked to her about it recently because it was so much harder back then too. I mean, obviously this isn't for raw veganism because back then there was cheese and you know now with all the vegan substitutes that's still not raw but that's um, uh, being <laughs> being raw vegan back then was like much much harder yeah this was a like a much smaller community exactly so because of this storm and Gingy saw an opportunity to share their lifestyle with the world and in 1998 they started thegardendiet.com through writing blog posts storm and Gingy shared their journey as an entirely raw vegan family containing seven people of all ages. They had a large online presence. Both parents authored eBooks, wrote recipes, granted interviews, and were even hired for speaking engagements to share their unique story. The family also lived a somewhat off the grid lifestyle, homeschooling all five children and moving around frequently so that their kids could commune with nature. Storm and Gingy produced a documentary called Breakthrough, which chronicled their family's raw vegan journey. Jinji shared that at one point, sales of their meal plans were bringing in up to $15,000 a month. In 2008, the Talaferos unveiled plans for a monumental new venture, a raw vegan village. So this is kind of interesting because they're essentially going to create like this village of just strictly vegan people. So the village was primed to be a collection of luxury eco houses for up to 20 families, all of whom were devoted to a raw vegan lifestyle. Sounds kind of fun. <laughs> I mean, it kind of does. So this commune would feature stunning architecture sketched out by Storm himself and in the style of famed architect Frank Lloyd Wright. These, quote, custom-designed eco-spa houses would each feature a pool, a greenhouse, and a sauna. Wow. It's kind of like the uh, Oregon Country Fair. Uh, kind of similar. So in addition to features of each individual house, the neighborhood would boast a school, an orchard and community garden, a film production space, and a clubhouse for group gatherings. 
The neighborhood would be situated in beautiful Ojai, California, which Daphne and I love. Gorgeous there. So the Talaferos were reportedly raking in investments and deposits on the homes, totaling at least $900,000. But in some reports, that estimate is over a million dollars. However, Storm seemed to be inflating his level of involvement and expertise in the project. So though he claimed that construction would begin by November of that year, investors then discovered that he had actually not even secured the property on which he was planning to build. In fact, that area was not even zoned for residential use, and he had done very little to change that. Down payments and investments went to either the Garden Diet LLC or a company called Topa Topa Institute LLC. But when months passed and the plans that were being promised to investors failed to come to fruition, many began to suspect fraud. Complaints were made and reporters began kind of sniffing around the story. And that's when investors discovered that the Garden Diet was actually not a registered limited liability company or LLC, meaning there were far fewer legal protections in place if their money was to be jeopardized. And not only that, but Storm and Gingy strangely weren't listed in the legal paperwork for either company. Instead, a woman named Julie Pitcher, who was a yoga teacher, was listed as the president of both companies. So that's kind of interesting because they don't really own these companies. Well, yeah, and there is actually no official report of this online, but there are sources that claim that Storm engaged in polyamory and that he was in a romantic and sexual relationship with Julie at the same time as his wife, Gingy. So maybe that's why Julie wasn't, but it just doesn't make sense if, if it was Storm and Gingy's company. It makes no sense that, that Julie is listed as the president. Right. So one raw vegan blog even claims that Julie was living with the Talaferos at the time and that Storm actually fathered two young children with her around the same time that Gingy's two youngest children, Adagio and Yarrow, were born. But despite all the bad publicity, the Talaferos maintained that their dream would become a reality. Storm said, quote, Maybe all our I's aren't dotted and our T's aren't crossed, but where we are coming from is a really sincere place and nobody is going to lose their money. But sadly, that would not turn out to be the case. Kind of figured. Yeah. So despite the best efforts of Storm and Gingy to launch this passion project, this vegan community, they couldn't even break ground on construction. In 2010, a fellow health food blogger ran an expose on the couple, just predicting that the investors had been, you know, swindled and that they would not be getting their payments back. And according to some investors, Gingy sent out this mass email claiming that their accountant was to blame and that the money had gone to securing architects, contractors, and construction workers. And then in 2012, multiple investors came back to the Talaferos in court and sued them in hopes of getting their money back, but most of them did not. On one comment on Storm's Facebook asking if he had plans to resurrect the housing project, Storm had replied, quote, Not in the moment. We were set back by the recession, but it's still something that is close to my heart. So I'm currently designing green solar hydrogen single-family residences. Now, while the couple's blog displayed this active, healthy, happy couple with five beautiful children who were in their prime, this commotion revealed a less marketable side of the family. 
Jinji claims that Storm had trouble mitigating his emotions sometimes and that he occasionally fell victim to what she described as paranoid delusions. And she claims this is why he wouldn't allow his children to attend school because he was wary of all government and medical institutions in general. Some reports even allege that he suffered from suicidal ideation at times, once telling Jinji apparently, quote, what if we all just went to sea and died together? Which is very foreshadowing for this story. I was about to say that, yeah, a lot of foreshadowing. So by 2013, the couple had sustained too much adversity to survive, and they filed for divorce. Jinji made plans to move back to Canada, settling in Nanaimo, Uh, which is apparently on Vancouver Island in British Columbia with her two young daughters, Shale and Yarrow. Raven and Jome were already out of the house at this time, and Adagio, who was apparently closest to his father, Storm, decided to stay in California to live with Storm on the farm. The two described themselves as transient and continued to post content on Storm's YouTube page together about their travels, their diet, and also their time in nature. Though Adagio had never attended formal schooling, he's remembered as extremely intelligent and curious, especially where science was concerned, and loved being a part of his dad's work. In 2018, the two were living on a farm in Camptonville, California. But sadly, that summer, Jinji was diagnosed with a brain tumor and was receiving treatment in Canada. On May 28, 2018, Jinji and Adagio, who was 14 at the time, caught up over the phone, and she remembers that her son was his usual happy self. Adagio mentioned that he and his dad may head out sailing in the next few days, but other than that, there was nothing to report. Jinji recalls, quote, I was told that they might go sailing. That's all that I was told. Other family members were told that they were sailing to Hawaii. On June 4th, Jinji underwent a successful surgery for a brain tumor. And as she was recovering, she stopped hearing from both Storm and Adagio. And apparently, Jinji was contacted by friends and family who had also not heard from or seen either of them. And by early June, she had reported them both missing. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medications that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, just visit Juvederm.com. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment, no maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volix XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face. But now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. As true crime listeners, you're aware of the dangers out there in the world. So why not keep your home as safe and secure as possible? Daphne and I do this by using Simply Safe. For award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. When we get ready for our summer trips this year, I will feel so much better about leaving the house knowing that Simply Safe has our back, just freeing me from my constant anxieties. And also something I love is that their system blankets your entire home in protection from break-ins to fires to floods. And with indoor and outdoor cameras to choose from, you will feel safe any time of day or night. And Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring agents to help stop crimes in real time. Which is part of why they were named the best home security system of 2024. Simply Safe has given us and so many listeners real peace of mind, and we want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/slash going west. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, 
you can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Before that quick break, Heath let us know that Adagio told his mom, Gingy, that he and his father, Storm, planned to sail to Hawaii from California. Now, this is, I mean, this sounds crazy to me, but Heath and I were talking about it earlier, and apparently it's a thing that people do. Yeah, I mean, people sail everywhere all the time. I mean, you know, people go sailing to the Caribbean and stuff like that. I mean, this is a really long trip. I think you... Um, pulled it up and it was about 2,500 nautical miles, which is pretty far, but... Yeah, it's, it would take some like some people two to three weeks to travel. It actually reminds me, you said the Caribbean. My mom, part of her childhood, she lived in Florida and her dad loved to boat and took the family. Uh, my mom, her sister, Carol Wilsoncroft, who went missing, we covered her case in episode 100, and then my grandma, and they sailed to the Caribbean and they got stopped by like pirates who ransacked their boat and held them at gunpoint, like when my mom was a kid. Yeah, I mean that definitely happens. It's uh, one of those things you have to you have to worry about when you're a sailor, and that's just uh, it's a sad part of it. But obviously, sailing is a beautiful thing, and there's so many wonderful places to see in the world. So I'm sure that they were just trying to you know maybe spend some time together as father and son. But yeah, I mean I guess it's just, I mean I'm terrified of the ocean, so maybe that's why this is so crazy to me. But especially just because from California to Hawaii, like just that the great Pacific Ocean, you know, but it's very vast. It it, it excites some people, I'm sure. Um, So um, basically, Gingy, after she reported them missing, it was difficult for her because she again was up in Canada. They were in California and allegedly had gone on this trip, but she didn't have any details for the trip. So she did whatever she could to track down any information about them. So she still had access to Storm's online accounts and knew his passwords. So she logged into his Facebook and Gmail to see what she could find. And in Storm's draft folder of his email, he had written an email explaining to her that they were joining some friends from Washington State for a sailing trip from Galita Beach to San Diego. This is a much easier trip than from California to Hawaii because Galita is in Santa Barbara. So Santa Barbara to San Diego is like a four or five hour drive. Yeah, I mean, not that far. So obviously a huge difference. Yeah. So this is kind of confusing to her because she's not sure which trip actually happened or if any of them even did. But as she kept reading the email, she things kind of became more clear. So in the rest of the email, it explained that They would then drop off any of the participants like in San Diego who were getting seasick or didn't want to carry on or didn't feel like they could handle the full journey because at that point after leaving San Diego is when they would embark to Hawaii. So Storm and Adagio would spend some time together in Hawaii before returning via plane to San Diego. Storm had even asked the owner of the Camptonville farm, which, you know, they were living on, to pick him and his son up at the airport after their flight on September 1st, 
2018. So it was all planned out. Jinji also found that Storm had booked two tickets from Hawaii to San Diego for himself and Adagio. And this was shocking and a very scary revelation for Jinji because now she feared that they were lost at sea or perhaps that Storm was attempting to take Adagio even further away from her. Apparently, she had been trying to convince Storm to enroll Adagio in school, um, and he had been obviously pretty resistant to this idea because, like I mentioned, he's not into the government or school or doctors or anything like that. So according to fellow residents of the Camptonville farm, the last time that anybody saw Adagio was either Friday, June 1st, or Saturday, June 2nd of 2018. And again, they're planning to return on September 1st, so they were supposed to be gone for months. After that, he and his dad supposedly departed for the Goleta area and did not return. The trip from Camptonville to Goleta would take about seven and a half hours, by the way, and no one can be sure that Adagio even made it there. The next few days were a string of strange circumstances for Storm. It seems impossible to know what his state of mind was based on his movements, and in the days following his departure from Camptonville, Storm booked two hotel rooms. The first one was located in Fraser Park, California, a small mountain town about two hours outside of Santa Barbara. Storm's son from a previous marriage, Snow, lived in Fraser Park at one time, so it was possible that Storm was there to visit him. And the next hotel room was in Santa Barbara. He reserved each room for dual occupancy, seeming to convey that Adagio was with him. But no one ever saw him, even though they were normally attached at the hip and did everything together. Then, on June 6, 2018, Storm actually recorded and posted a YouTube video from inside his hotel room. But again, Adagio was nowhere to be seen. To some, it seems as if Storm was making the rounds, saying his goodbyes, and giving away his last earthly possessions in that final week before he went missing. And he apparently even sent $700 to a friend back in Camptonville. And thanks to Missy, who recommended this case, we have first-hand knowledge of what happened in those days. Missy explained that Storm was actually her dad's best friend, and that shortly before he had gone missing, he had stopped by her dad's house in Ojai to say goodbye. When her dad wasn't home, he left a note that read, quote, Storm was here, and that was the last time that he ever heard from Storm. On June 7th, Storm had lunch with his son, Jum, who is now living in the Santa Barbara area. And the last pictures known to exist of Storm were taken at that very lunch. Jom had snapped a picture of Storm, who was like, kind of like slumped over in the booth of the restaurant, kind of falling asleep at the table. And according to Jom, Storm explained that he and Adagio were headed to Hawaii on a 30-foot sailboat with some friends. When Jom questioned where Adagio was, Storm said that he was already on the boat, which was docked in Galita Beach. So all sources, including Missy, thank you, Missy, claimed that it was very odd to ever see Storm without Adagio. Like they were, like Heath said, attached at the hip. But after their visit, Joan dropped his father off at the dock at Galita Beach, along with a kayak that Storm was apparently going to paddle out to where the boat was anchored. Joan told his mom, Jinji, that he was rushing to get to work and declined his dad's offer to go see this boat. 
And Storm didn't tell him the name of the boat or the names of the people that he was going to be sailing with, but Jinji believes that if the plans were real, these friends from Washington were in the raw vegan community. When Jinji reported her son and ex-husband missing, she contacted the Coast Guard just hoping that they knew of this boat's Pacific crossing. But unfortunately, they had no knowledge of this alleged boat making its way from California to Hawaii. And there was only one boat sailing that route at that time. And that boat was participating in a sailing contest and had no affiliation with either Adagio nor with Storm. According to what Storm had been saying, the two were due to be in Hawaii by mid-July at the latest, but their family never heard from them again, and they also missed their scheduled flight from Hawaii to San Diego in September. So the Coast Guard obviously sent out alerts on their radios, but no vessels along that route had seen any sign of the two, or of an errant sailboat. Jinji monitored Storm's bank accounts and credit cards, but they remained untouched after June 7th. She attempted to obtain his phone records, but because they were no longer married, she was unable to do so. On July 24th and July 26th of 2018, remains of a deceased adult male washed up on Goleta Beach, including parts of a leg and a torso. And just really quick to... The fact that they washed up on Goleta Beach of all places, which is where they were leaving from before heading down to San Diego, like that's really bizarre. And very sketchy. And the Santa Barbara County Police Department suspected that they may belong to Storm. The first DNA test was inconclusive. So one of his daughters offered a DNA sample to the medical examiner for comparison purposes. Then, in March of 2021, so two and a half years after he went missing, Jinji announced on Facebook that the remains did indeed belong to Storm Talaferro. She wrote, quote, In remembrance of Storm Talaferro, Storm's remains have been found, and he will be cremated in California, where his ashes will be scattered in the sea by his kids. Storm was a wonderful, complex, dynamic, funny, and colorful human being, father, healer, and artist. He is missed by his children and friends. I anticipate we'll see him on the other side, where all will be healed. But in all this, where was Adagio? So obviously there are plenty of theories as to what could have happened in these two, and two of them are the most pervasive. So one, that Storm and Adagio had some sort of accident, like on the farm, in the car, or otherwise, and that Adagio died suddenly. Yeah, because obviously no one had really seen Adagio, especially when Storm went to lunch with his other son, Jome. Jome didn't see Adagio either, and nobody else had seen Adagio on that farm. Exactly, and remember, Storm had said that Adagio was at the boat, but was he really at the boat? Was this trip happening? Like, you're you're asking, you know, you're wondering all of these questions, or did something happen after Storm returned to the boat where Adagio may have actually been? And why was Adagio not um, with his dad and his brother at lunch that day? Especially because everybody says that they were, you know, always with each other. Why would he leave his 14-year-old son on a boat by himself? I mean, maybe he wasn't alone. Maybe these friends from Washington did exist. But, uh, and I guess 14 is not that young. But you know what I mean. It doesn't really make sense that he wasn't with him. So people wonder either... 
if something happened to Adagio before the lunch with Jim or after, they wonder if maybe Storm had been so racked with guilt that he decided to take his own life after saying his goodbyes with lunch with Joan being one of his goodbyes. Right, and that kind of makes sense. And we also talked about the fact that he had a little bit of a hair trigger, so, um, you know, he could fly into a rage sometimes. And also that he did have suicidal ideation at one point. Right. So the other theory is that this was maybe, you know, again, this is, these are just theories. We don't personally know these people. So I know I'm mostly saying this because I know Missy does and she's listening. So I don't want to come off as disrespectful ever. We never do. Um, But these are just kind of the theories that are floating around with police and, of course, with everybody um, online. And I'm sure some people that know Adagio and Storm as well. So the other theory is that this was possibly a murder-suicide or even a suicide pact. Um, But obviously Storm's motivation behind this would be incredibly unclear. Now, Missy did pose the theory that Adagio was being held hostage during the time that Storm was at lunch potentially by an enemy that his dad had made from his bad business dealings, which is why we went into all that sketchy stuff with the business, because maybe that's part of this. Yeah, that could be another angle to this story. Obviously, money and finances can be a huge motivator in uh, in murder. Exactly. So maybe Storm knew that they were going to be killed. So he kind of took his time saying goodbye to everybody and his loved ones. But Again, it's just, it's so bizarre why it would all unfold this way. But also it makes everything a lot harder because, as I said, uh, there was some, I don't know how to say this in not a grotesque way, but there were uh, various bodily remains found of his, which means that his body was not in one piece. Um, Whether that was done by marine life or just water Um, exposure to water. We're not sure. Decomposition or something. Yeah, but we also don't know his cause of death. It hasn't been released, and I'm sure it hasn't been released because police don't know. Um, So that makes things a lot more complicated as well. But anyway, there are also some other theories as well. So this one doesn't explain what happened to Storm or why he was killed if he was, but some believe that Adagio is alive and simply took off to start a new life. At 14... Yeah, I know, right? I mean, we always got to bring this one up, even though it oftentimes is not the case. So in November of 2018, which is a few months after they went missing, multiple reports came in of a possible sighting of both men in Hawaii, or I'll say both males in Hawaii, but their faces and heads had been shaved. Now, we know now that Storm was already deceased by then, but it's possible that it could have been Adagio on his own with somebody else. The month after this, which was December of 2018, someone reported seeing Adagio in the cafeteria of the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. That's so strange. Yeah, so then he's just like going to college at age 14. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, On June 24th, 2020, so two years after they disappeared, Someone reported having seen Adagio walking on the side of the road in Ventura, California, near a hotel heading toward the beach. Now, um, for those who don't know the area, Ventura is very close to Santa Barbara. Ventura is also right next to Ojai. So this is in the area of which they lived. Now, this young man was reportedly wearing a bucket hat, a jacket over a sweatshirt, baggy jeans, and sunglasses. So 
let's take into account that he's pretty covered up, so... Might be kind of hard to tell if that's actually him. Exactly. Then, on July 31st, 2021, one of Adagio's sisters claimed that she spotted him all the way in their hometown in Canada. So, Jinji took to the Find Adagio Facebook group to write, quote, My daughter is almost certain she saw her brother, my missing son Adagio, here in Nanaimo, Vancouver Island, British Columbia, two days ago. Jinji, Jinji's mom, and her daughters plastered the area in missing posters with the updated information. And according to her daughter, Adagio was in the passenger seat of a blue SUV driven by a brunette woman believed to be in her late 30s. So that's pretty bizarre. But obviously, um, Jinji was elated by this, just hoping that this meant that Adagio was finally coming home to them and that he just didn't know where to find them. Like, she had gotten a new phone and phone number since moving back to Canada, and Adagio didn't know her address. So she waited anxiously for the phone to ring, but sadly, nothing came of any of the tips, even though some of them did apparently seem quite promising, but he wasn't found at the end of this. And other places that were suggested as a possibility were as far-reaching as Greece, Thailand, Mexico, South America, Central America, and the Caribbean. Now, while Jinji still hopes for answers in her son's mysterious disappearance, she's come to terms with the fact that he may not be coming home. Just three months ago from when we're recording this, Jinji shared on Adagio's Facebook group, quote, just wanted to let everyone here know that I've had a spirit contract with Adagio from the other side, letting me know that he is fine not on our world anymore, but happy where he is. That is comforting for me and I'm at peace. I have closure. Thank you so much for all your support, prayers, and shares. But by her own admission, Jinji is, quote, recovering from a raw vegan lifestyle. And she actually wrote a whole blog post about this. I'm not going to read it because it's not relevant. It's just really her going into why she stopped being raw um, why her kids stopped, um, thing, different things about like eating disorders and digestive issues. and She was basically just saying that her husband had kind of taken things too far. Right. And that, it, you know, her kids were kind of going hungry and they had a lot of energy deficiencies. Not to turn anybody off if that's your diet or how you feed your kids, like do your own thing. But yeah, this is just what Gingy is saying personally. Yeah, exactly. So she's just saying that she moved them onto a more balanced diet, including like a bunch of different healthy food groups and um, stuff like that, cutting down processed food. But it's a, it's a whole post. Um, if you want to read it, it's online. But back to the case itself, this is such a difficult story because I know there's not a ton of evidence here that anything happened. As far as we know, um, we don't know what happened to the boat. Uh, if the boat that they were supposedly taking, again, if this trip was even real. Did a boat even exist? What about these friends from Washington? We don't know anything about if they existed, if they were really going on this trip. Again, if this trip was even real, like, I don't know why they would make this whole trip up. Why would he buy the two plane tickets back? Why would he set up a ride home from the airport? Like, I feel like they were really supposed to go on it. I mean, it felt like, or at least it seemed like, that this trip was going to happen. I mean, who buys plane tickets from Hawaii back to San Diego? I mean, it could have been a whole ruse, but again, why? Yeah, it absolutely could have been. But the strangest part is that um, Storm's body was, in fact, found in the ocean. So 
what happened? Yeah, what happened? Where is Adagio? Did they get lost at sea? Maybe, um, maybe Storm didn't die via homicide. Maybe their boat capsized. I mean, I feel like maybe such remains would have been found of the boat. And I think it's very interesting that the Coast Guard didn't know anything about this trip or about this boat. And they were very aware of this route. They were monitoring it. There was a sail sailing contest going on. Like, I feel like we would have known if they had gotten into the water. Yeah, I mean, that is a really great point. The fact that the Coast Guard couldn't track them um, basically said that they knew exactly what boats were taking those or that route, and um, yeah. it didn't seem like Storm and Adagio's boat uh, was there. But that's why I think it's so interesting that Storm's body washed up in Galita, on Galita Beach, because that's where they were supposed to leave from, which makes you wonder, did they even leave at all? And if they did leave, how did his body wash up in Galita? Um, I, I just think especially going, like if you're looking at the coast, going from Galita Beach down to San Diego, they probably wouldn't have um, gone too far out into the ocean. You know, they would have just sailed along the coast. So you would imagine that this boat would have been found and anybody on board would have also been found, which makes me feel like they didn't leave Galita Beach. And if they didn't leave Galita Beach, how did Storm's body get into the water? Yeah, and, and where also, is Adagio? Totally, yeah. And and why why don't we have a clear picture of an autopsy? Was there was there anything to suggest that foul play was involved here? Right. And also, if they never made it onto the boat, let's just remove the boat from the equation here. If something happened because of Storm's past, um, because of the kind of sketchy business dealings, the whole thing about the vegan community, um, and a lot of investors losing their money. If that is involved in this or some other motive is, and both of them were murdered, it's possible that um, Storm's body was kind of taken out and disposed of at sea, and that's how it was found, because a lot of bodies do wash up to shore when they're disposed of in the sea. Yeah. But then again, what happened to Adagio? Like, there's there's so many questions here. Well, it's very interesting to me that there were numerous people that said that they saw Adagio, and especially the one the one that really gets me is the fact that his sister said that she saw him because you really know your siblings pretty well and your family members pretty well. Yeah, and it, it would be, I think, fairly easy to be be able to point out, um, you know, an appearance of one of your family members. So. It was that the case here? I hear what you're saying, but my thing with that theory, and not to discredit the sister at all, but I'm just thinking about like how would Adagio have gotten up to Canada, let alone the exact area that they live in, that the family lives in, and he's in the passenger seat of some brunette woman's car. You know, so that is the thing is she saw him through a window of a car. Um, where it's obviously not as clear as if she passed him, r you know, right by on the street. Again, not to discredit her, but I don't... Uh, what are the chances he would have be taken up to the exact area of Canada? Well... And th why? That's very true. But also, I kind of want to know uh, a little bit more about this Julie person. Because, you know, does Julie have brunette hair? Is it possible that she still had connections uh, I mean, I don't know. It's it, it's just a mystery, to be honest. It's a crazy story. Adagio Talaferro would now be 19 years old. He was biracial and had brown hair and brown eyes. 
He was between 5 feet 4 inches and 5 feet 7 inches tall and weighed about between 100 and 120 pounds. He also goes by the nickname Dodge. And one defining characteristic is that one of his front teeth protrudes a bit. If you have any information about the disappearance of Adagio Talaferro or the death of Storm Talaferro, please call the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Office tip line at 805-681-4171 or email tips at sbsheriff.org. so much everybody for listening to this episode of going west yes thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and on friday we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into please let us know what you think about this case again i know with cases like this it just feels like we're speculating but it could help because right now there's really no evidence of anything so if you saw anything if you were in the area like please reach out to the tip line or the email because this case needs so much more attention than it's getting It's just such a mysterious story. I mean, if somebody could just at least recognize the boat or be able to explain that there actually was a boat in this case. I mean, this is one of those cases where you just really want to keep digging and digging and digging and digging, you know? I know. Like, I want to keep talking about this case. This is a very captivating story. So please, please make sure you share this one, guys, especially if you're on the West Coast of the United States. Um, Appreciate you listening, and we'll see you in a few days. All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world, don't be a stranger. 